Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like updating turbines at one of our Indiana wind farms and producing more oil and gas with fewer operational emissions in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Professional welder Shayna Ford used VR training developed by ForgeFX to hone her skills as a welder. The more time that you spend practicing it, that's what separates a good welder from a great welder. VR training can help students like Shayna repeatedly practice specific skills. Virtual reality definitely helps because the more muscle memory that you have, the smoother your weld is. Explore more stories like Shayna's at meta.com slash metaverseimpact. The following podcast is a Dear Media production. Hey guys, I'm Whitney Port and this is With Wit. A lot of you may know me from reality TV, and the reality is a lot's happened since the hills. With Wit is dedicated to having real, raw, and occasionally ridiculous conversations with the people who have had a profound impact on me. Life-changing moments, life-changing people. Because on With Wit, very little is off limits. Hi guys, I am so excited to get into this next episode with you guys. I interview and chat with Dr. Sheila Nazarian. Now, Sheila Nazarian is my go-to doctor for everything skin-related. A lot of you guys have asked me if I've gotten Botox, what laser treatments I've gotten, what skincare I use, and honestly, I can say that mostly everything I do is because Dr. Nazarian has told me to do it. So she is a plastic surgeon, but she also has the skinspot.com, which sells amazing products and a spa called Spa 26 at her office where she facilitates things like Botox and filler and laser and all the amazing things that technology has created and that we are lucky enough to have in this century. So here she is, she's so inspiring. I sincerely do trust everything she tells me to do and I hope you guys learn so much. So get your notepads out and don't forget to rate, subscribe, let me know what you liked, any other questions you have for me or the doctor and we'll be sure to get back to you. We are here with Wit. I am here with Sheila Nazarian, a plastic surgeon and my kind of skin specialist. I don't know if you like to be called that, (laughs) but Dr. Nazarian is an amazing female plastic surgeon. Not that I need to say female, but I think it's really amazing that you are. Thank you. I want to talk about first when you realized you wanted to be a plastic surgeon, because obviously that's a very specific thing. Was it something you dreamt of forever? Like what got you started? So I think I was sort of training for it without knowing all my life. Um, I always like to tell the story with like, like how I used to make um, my own suitcases out of duct tape and paper bags. Like I was always doing these like little projects. My mom called me which means the expert in useless things. But I feel like, <laughs> <That's amazing. laughs> but I feel like all those little things 
really showed me that I love to work with my hands. And so in the fourth grade, I was in wood shop and it was like me and a whole bunch of boys and I almost dropped out. But I loved drawing things out, planning it out and actually building it. And so I was like, you know what? I think I want to be an architect or I want to be an orthopedic surgeon, like use the hammer and nails, all of those things. So I started um, thinking about it and I was like, well, an architect doesn't really like build the things. So and I don't want to be at a desk job. So then I started following around an orthopedic surgeon and it was very cookie cutter, like literally, like when they're doing a knee replacement, they put something on the knee and they cut around it. And I was like, that's not really creative. Mm -hmm. So I was um, seeing this boy and he was an ophthalmology resident at USC at the time. A boy, (laughs) (laughs) And so, you know, he was like, oh, you should think about plastic surgery. And you know, we have a really great plastic surgeon, Dr. Gross at USC. And so you should meet with him. So I did meet with him and it was like, I was like a first year, I think medical student at that point. And it was just like, I didn't even look back. Like that was it for me. And he was so kind and I knew nothing, but mm-hmm. he was just so patient and kind with me and continues to be a mentor to this day. Oh, amazing. Yeah. So you went to USC to I get your- I did, to okay. for my residency. Okay. So I was in New York for eight years at mm-hmm. Columbia undergrad and mm-hmm. then um, Albert Einstein. Um, in the Bronx and then USC for residency. Oh my gosh. Was it so intense? It was so intense. And I was pregnant three times during it. (laughs) Oh my God. Because residency (laughs) is one of the hardest jobs. Your hours are insane. Insane. You can't have a life. The fact that you were pregnant. Oh my God. You're a superstar. And it was, it was like, I have like very little recollection about like my personal life during that time. Right. So we'll like be driving past a restaurant. My husband will be like, oh, remember that restaurant? I'm like, no, you were there with another girl. Yeah. <laughs> You're like, I was never able to sit I down know. for a meal And he's a like, no, it was you. And, I, and then he would like describe it. And I'm like, no, I was never there. But I like literally have no recollection of any personal life. Like I used to drive home after being on call for 30 hours pregnant and then just literally from the garage calling my husband and being like, you need to come get me out of the car because I can't stand. Oh so he gosh. would come and like literally like, carry me out of the car. That is so insane. It was insane. I was nuts. What you wanting to keep doing it? I mean... You know what I think it is? For a lot of female surgeons, and I sort of did an informal, like pull of the male surgery residents at the mm-hmm. time and female surgery and the female surgery residents they had a chip on their shoulder like they had something to prove it was almost like they were told they couldn't do it or mm-hmm. they shouldn't do it and that was certainly the case with me whereas the male residents I was like so why are you like doing this and they're like I was really fascinated by the field whereas the female residents were like so and so like told me I couldn't or you know I was abused as a child or like whatever it was mm-hmm. I think in order to be female and to achieve at you know this level um and to really like put yourself through what we put ourselves through, there really has to be fundamental something that you're Drive. trying to prove. Yeah, yeah totally. it's not just like, oh, I'm fascinated or I'm very interested. You right. know, like, no. Was there something specifically that kept you wanting to do that and prove everybody wrong? Well, or? I think like culturally, you know, I'm, I'm a Persian Jew uh-huh. and we're very new to the US. Like everybody immigrated at the time of the revolution. So like the 80s or mm-hmm. late 70s. And, you know, it, there's no expectation of you to work and have children like I remember hearing you know oh why would you want to be a surgeon as soon as you have kids you're gonna have to quit Mm -hmm. so why would you even do that so I got a lot of that growing up I was also you know I came here when I was seven in the first grade and you know my parents wouldn't let me shave my legs and I had a mustache and like all of those (laughs) things so I think you know I was teased a lot as a Mm -hmm. child I was totally a nerd I was like super like you know, skinny with like my elbows being the, the largest part of my arm and my knees being the largest part of my legs. So I think it was just like all of those little things that like, I'm going to prove these people wrong. Like I'm going to achieve at a huge level. And I'll, I'll let you know, like that got me so far. And I would say about three years ago, all of that just fell away. Really? Like I had imposter syndrome. I had like, let me prove people wrong. But like, 
three years ago, I don't know what snapped in me, but it was basically like, I've done it for me. And at this point, moving forward, it's just all cherry on top. Like, yeah. And it was just such a relief. And it was really a feeling of like letting go. Amazing. Yeah. So now you feel like you're doing it because you're just passionate about it. It's yeah. Not like you're trying to prove anybody wrong. I'm or not. It's almost like I've proved everything. Yeah. Now where's this going to go? Totally. Yeah. I think that's amazing. Well, that leads me to my next thought, which was this feels to me, and you can correct me if I'm wrong, but it's a super male dominated profession, mm-hmm. which is kind of crazy because I would think... I would feel only comfortable going to a woman because a woman really knows deep down other women's insecurities. And I think women are the people that are going to seek out plastic surgeons the Mm -hmm. most. So how does it feel to be, I mean, a leading female plastic surgeon in Los Angeles? And do you still feel sometimes like you're fighting for a position or rank within the industry? Um, I think, I think there was, it's like 12% of plastic surgeons are female. The board certified plastic surgeons are female. And I think we're you know, we're on these like groups together and we're always like, okay, who's getting on the podium next? And like, we really, or like there'll be a labiaplasty Mm -hmm. or a breast augmentation panel at one of our meetings with no females up there. So it's just like, so I think, yeah. So I think it's definitely, it's top of mind for Mm -hmm. all of us female plastic surgeons that like, we want to be talking to other women about, you know, what normal is and what natural is Mm -hmm. and like all of those things. So me being, you know, where I am in the position of plastic surgery, I definitely do feel a responsibility to um, represent Mm -hmm. in a respectful, mindful, empowering way Mm -hmm. and not in a body shaming or um, making women look like uh, caricatures of what natural is totally. so our whole thing like our hashtag is natural by Nazarian mm-hmm. like and that's why people come to us yes that's why I did yeah. I mean I think that so many people want to look as natural as possible and just stop the aging process mm-hmm. and I think that's what's so great about you is that you just want to enhance someone's beauty as opposed to totally right. change it yeah like I hear that yeah. a lot from people like the reporters when they're calling for and they're like okay what what celebrities do people bring pictures of I'm yes. like literally none of my patients bring in pictures of really? celebrities like I was going to ask none. you none no literally no none no everybody comes in they're like I want to look like the best version of me like yeah. optimize me I don't yeah. want to look like anybody else and I definitely know that's not the norm in plastic mm-hmm. surgery mm-hmm. but just I think I've positioned myself in such a way on social media or I don't know what but like I'm just attracting people that just want to look their best for themselves totally. and feel good about themselves but not look like a celebrity right not even Emily Ratajkowski's boobs you know what like, I, I know I would bring in that yeah picture. you know what's it, it's, it's interesting actually people recently in the last like eight months have been coming in to get you know their breasts lifted or take out their implants Mm -hmm. and go for a smaller implant but what they say is I want to wear my like Balmain jacket with no bra yeah or like you know so they or they'll bring pictures of like you know sometimes like a model's breasts but it's not like oh I want to look like this celebrity it's more like I just want to be able to wear and that's why it's so nice to be a female like I know what you that know means. What you, yeah, and having had three children, yeah. I mean, for me, I think about that all the time. I'm like, if there was anything that I would go under the knife for, mm-hmm. it would be after a second or third child doing something with my boobs because right. I used to take a lot of pride in my boobs yeah. <laughs> and now not so much. And I mean, this was kind of far down my list of questions, but since we're yeah. talking about it now, like what is the the process or the surgery that women can do 
who don't necessarily want like that implant look, but want to right. lift their boobs and have them look like they once did. So there's a lot of different things now. The technology is like amazing. I mean, obviously there's surgery, so there's a breast lift uh, that you could do. A lot of women are now transferring fat into their breasts instead of going for an implant. Interesting. So we'll actually like you get a twofer, right? We'll suck it out of your yeah, <laughs> love handles your t- right. and stick it in your boobs. So you get a little bit of volume back up top because even a, lovely. a lift won't give you volume up top. Mm-hmm. The lift will just sort of raise the anatomical things to where they should be. But okay. you still need volume up top. So whether that's done with an implant or mm-hmm. your own fat mm-hmm. um, is definitely up to you and up to your surgeon and right. your expectations and goals. But there's also radio frequency technology that can, with you know, no scars, lift the breast and reduce the size of the breast a teeny bit. So it's melting some fat, but it's also tightening up the tissues. Mm-hmm. So there's like about a one to two to three maybe centimeter lift that you can get with no scars. Amazing. But it does melt about half a cup size. Okay. So if somebody is a little bit bigger than they want to be and want to, wants to do maybe like a minimal lift, like two centimeters... There's technology for that now. Okay, amazing. I find that my boobs got smaller after breastfeeding. Mm-hmm. It, they just flattened out on top and yep. drooped and yep. just got smaller. Yep, yep, but yep. they were obviously huge when I was breastfeeding. Yep. What is your favorite procedure to do? Oh my God. Um, I will say, you know, I love doing so many things, but some of the most gratifying ones are breast augmentation, just because it's like immediate yes. and you're like, okay, off you go, like enjoy. Um, I do <laughs> a downtime is bad for no, that, no. right? Oh, it's, it's a, not? No, I mean, you're swollen for like, you know, a month, but okay. it's like three days of discomfort oh, and then you're fine. Amazing. Okay. Um, buckle fat pad removal, I do a lot of. I've never heard of that. So um, basically through a one centimeter incision inside the mouth, I remove the fat pad. Like if you know when you suck in your cheeks to mm-hmm. like give you that the contoured look. Yeah. Exactly. So that does it permanently. Okay. So I do a lot of those. Um, so people that have chipmunk cheeks or uh-huh. fullness in the lower part of their face and they want to get that contoured look, it takes me about 15 minutes and you look like you had your wisdom teeth removed for about two weeks, you're uh-huh. swollen and then you just go off and enjoy. So I do a lot of those and I do a lot of labiaplasties as well. Okay. So I think Lululemon's like increase the, <laughs> the amount of labiaplasties, the amount of labiaplasties, a lot of, of all the camel toes. Yes. Oh, I mean, it is what it is, but I mean, I've definitely had women that like come in and they have just like really large labia menorah where uh-huh. it'll actually fall out of their bathing suits. I mean like really large yeah. or they can't ride a bike cause it's so uncomfortable or they mm-hmm. can't have sexual intercourse. So there's definitely the, but there's a lot of the aesthetic as well that they're like, I just don't want anything hanging out. I don't don't go to the spa days with my friends. I feel super self-conscious about it. I don't want to be intimate. Like, um, and it's interesting too. I gave a panel talk uh, in Paris on this and it was me, an Asian plastic surgeon and uh, an African plastic surgeon. And we showed like, what is the ideal labia in the countries? And it's totally different. Wow. So in Africa, sometimes they lengthen the labia in Asia. They want it to look like a butterfly. Okay. So some I'm symmetric. Picture so like that. Yeah. It's like, okay. like a butterfly. And then in um, the US, they just want it to be tucked and nothing hanging out. And so tight. it's just, yeah, that's so so it's just interesting. Yeah. yeah. So are those the three things that people mostly come to you for? Is no, we literally for? get like the the Runs total the run the gamut. And yeah. also we have a very large spa side. So I have like 20 lasers. So mm-hmm. You know, 50% of my time is spent doing the spa stuff and 50% of my time is spent in the OR. Mm-hmm. So um, it's just, just definitely like a good mix. It's never boring. Right. <laughs> and is there something that is your favorite thing to do, like skin versus surgery? Or- no, I mean, I like, you know, I like it all. Mm-hmm. My, my whole thing is I hate feeling stagnant and I hate feeling 
okay, this is what I'm doing day in and day out. Right. That's why I love, you know, doing things like this with you and filming, mm-hmm. social media, the marketing aspects of it. Teaching people Teaching. about it. So that it's not only about vanity. Because I would find, like, in in your industry that it's easy to get caught up constantly in what people look like or what you look like, you know, it's like, you're just thinking about that all day long. So how do you set boundaries for yourself? And like, (laughs) you know what I mean? Like, how are you, what else are you doing so that you don't think sometimes, oh my God, this is just all about vanity, which is not because plastic surgery, I think can have like, it can be a bad name to some people, but it's, it's really not. And it's a gratifying, amazing thing. We're not. And I always tell this with my staff, we're not selling vanity. Mm -hmm. We're selling confidence. Right. And that's what it's all about. It's so true. Yeah, it's so true. And so if you just think about it, like, you know, I'm, I'm educating someone about, so people are doing things like Cleopatra freaking rubbed olive oil all over her body, right? right? I mean, like, you know, like how we Our look. Our grandmothers were bathing in milk. Yes, like, exactly. Yes. It's, it's mattered forever. There's mm-hmm. studies that show that people that look a certain way make more money or um, whatever it is. I mean, it's, there was like a 60 minutes on where they looked at kindergartners and they had a woman come out and say the same lines kind of disheveled. She came out looking really cute and well-dressed, said the same lines, the same actress. Mm -hmm. And they asked the kindergartners, who did you like better? And they said the second one because she was nicer. I mean, it's like, it's just built into us that how visuals and everything matter. So I I think once you get over that, it's Mm -hmm. like, okay, well, how can we then do something that's going to improve someone's um, image of yeah. themselves, image honestly, totally. mm-hmm. and make them carry themselves with their head held a little bit higher. And let's see what they can do with that. Yeah, no, I completely agree because I feel like, you know, there's this messaging right now where beauty needs to come from within. Mm-hmm. It shouldn't matter what you look like. And I, while I do think that that is Agreed. very largely true, there is something to be said about looking at yourself in the mirror and being unhappy and that having an effect on you. 100%. And so I think that what you're doing is so valuable because we have the technology and so many things to make people feel better about themselves. Mm-hmm. And I think why not take advantage of something like that? Exactly. So, I feel like life is too short. Yes. I I completely agree. Okay. So what age do you feel like we need to really start thinking about our skin and taking care of our skin? I mean, I know for me, my mom at 13 was like, you need to start wearing eye cream. Yeah. Really? (laughs) She's Um, more intense than me. (laughs) Yeah, probably. (laughs) No, like I'll tell you my 11 year old, you know, she's going through puberty and she's got the acne starting. And I know what an effect, for example, acne scarring can have on a young adult. Um, And so I have her started on stuff that's going to prevent her from breaking out. Mm -hmm. Um, Is it safe? Yes. You know, but it's just having that knowledge in the background. Sunscreen, for example. I have my seven-year-old wearing sunscreen. Every day? Well, if we're going to be out, you know what I mean? Like if she's in school, you know, I might forget. But for example, we were just away this weekend. So yeah, you better believe they all had sunscreen before they left the room. Right. So I think it it just depends on age appropriateness. Mm -hmm. I will tell you that we are seeing girls in their you know early 20s starting with a little bit of preventative Botox mm-hmm. um, depending again I, I always tell them once you see lines that aren't going away when you're not moving your face mm-hmm. like it's time okay and it doesn't mean like you know every three months it might mean twice a year but just right. to prevent yes um the other things too is in skincare. There's so much like BS out there. I think 
what people get mixed up in their brains is like, oh, if it's on Instagram and it smells good and I feel moisturized, then it's doing something for me. Totally. But it's like, it's not actually doing anything. It's not anything. actually doing anything. Yeah. I mean, you, you do feel like relaxed because maybe you're smelling a little lavender or like whatever right. it is. But I think the key things that you do want to start on in your early 20s is a retinol, okay, which is a vitamin A. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's actually been shown to reverse sun damage and to cause, you know, gentle cell turnover. Okay. Um, sunscreen for sure mm-hmm. to prevent future sun damage and an antioxidant, which is like vitamin C, um, a good antioxidant. I like And all of these things, like I love medical grade mm-hmm. um, because medical grade has been biopsy proven. It's not because your favorite Instagrammer got paid to promote something. Right. Like I want to see things that are like before and afters under the microscope. Show me what it can do. Totally. So those three things I think are like the bare minimum starting in your 20s. Sunscreen, okay. retinol, Vitamin C antioxidant. Okay. And where can people get a medical grade? Do they have to go to a dermatologist or someone like you to yeah, get that? Yeah, um, typically, yes. And that's the other thing to talk about, too, is a lot of the stuff that is only allowed to be sold through doctors, you might find it on Amazon, but it could be fake or expired. Right. So if it truly is, and you can you know read the bylaws of that company, but a lot of the things you find online aren't real mm-hmm. and they might cause reactions. They might have lead in them. You don't know where they were made. So I started the skinspot.com um, and that is like a curated thing. That's the other thing too. Like there's a lot of these websites that have like 500 sunscreens. Like how do you know which one's right for you? Totally. So we sort of like went and picked our favorite six out of the medical grade brands. And we did a video like Zappos on them. Like, for example, if you're darker than me, this one's going to look chalky on you. So like, don't get this one. You might want to look at that one. And we just basically explained what everything is because it can be super overwhelming, mm-hmm. very confusing. Mm-hmm. And we just decided that there was a need for that. Right. And what about people that really care about natural organic products? I mean, the medical grade ones are they that like so this is so cute when I graduated (laughs) so when I graduated residency I went to my first meeting and I went out on the you know exhibitor floor and I was like I want something organic blah 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 and this one woman pulled me aside and she's like sweetie it has to have a preservative in it or it's not going to last. Like it's not going to be active right so yeah there are retinols for example that you have to keep in your freezer but then are you literally in the morning going to walk down to your freezer you know, or and, fridge, uh, right, you right. know what it's I mean? It's an extra step when you're already crazed. Trying exactly. To get yeah. So I, I mean, we definitely look for things that don't have like a crap ton of preserve, like these sheet masks now that are being sold. Yeah. You guys so bad. Most of them. That's what someone oh, told me. Oh my God. The fr- like the first ingredient is a preservative. Like, oh no, the first God. ingredient should be like something that's good for your skin. Do you have great sheet masks on I your actually, website? I have one that I love. Okay. And when you compare the ingredient list and in the back to like, for example, I was at CVS yesterday and I was looking at like they have a whole sheet max like it's so in right it's so in yeah but like look in the back and if it's like like glycol or like whatever all these things it's so bad for you like I wouldn't put it on like anything wow so the one on our website um it's like the only sheet mask we have is the only one that I've actually found that like doesn't have all the crap all the crap in it yeah and it's very moisturizing and very good so like probably other masks you have like just actual topical cream yeah we do we have yeah yeah, we have face masks and stuff too that are really good for you but you just it's just so like crazy to me I know how much is saturated market or they'll have a face mask at the first ingredients alcohol it's like that's gonna dry you out like (laughs) that seems pretty obvious but you never know yeah people don't look yeah so what would you say is like the best thing that we can be 
doing for our skin, whether it's, you know, injections or drinking more water or Mm -hmm. staying out of the sun or having a routine. I mean, I know all of those things together make good skin, but what would you really recommend? I mean, I think it's really what like we offer and it's not just saying like, oh yeah, you have to come to me. But like, I think you really do want to go to somebody who does have all the things Mm -hmm. because like if they only have one thing, like if they only have one laser, guess what? You're getting that one laser. It doesn't mean that one laser is the best thing for you. And there's definitely places out here that are very popular that Mm -hmm. literally have one machine. So you want to go to- laser can't do everything. No, absolutely not. And that's the other thing too is- no skincare product can do everything. No laser can do everything. What I have found is it's really a combination of a bunch of things tailored to you. Mm -hmm. So we call that like your story. What's your story? So it could be, you know, pores. Mm -hmm. There is a, there is a microneedling radio frequency device for that. But first we have to flush out those pores because I can't close a pore that's filled with gunk. So then we have to do a suction microdermabrasion kind of thing first. Mm -hmm. So there's always like these things to do. I think the important thing is go meet with someone that has all the things Mm -hmm. prioritize Mm -hmm. and say you know what the first thing I want to work on is these sunspots great and we have a budget for everything too and then we also have can you afford to have downtime or not like you yes you know I'm like please I can't can't have downtime right so for all of you guys out there I have these wrinkles in my neck that I've had since I was a little girl it's one of those things that I was just born with I was actually watching tv and saw someone else this actress had them last night Mm -hmm. and I was like oh my god (laughs) this makes me feel better that someone else on tv had them but you told me you were like listen if I inject those lines Mm -hmm. with filler Mm -hmm. you are going to look like you got strangled or like tried to hang yourself (laughs) for a week afterwards and so for me it's hard you know but I I think that a lot of the people can't, I mean, most people don't want downtime, but if you're really insecure about something, you're going right, to do it. Right. But it's yeah, all about like wearing a turtleneck for a week. Totally. But, but that th- that's the thing with me too, is like, we have so many people that are on TV or yes. are, you know, in the public eye. Mm-hmm. And so we had to get all the lasers and I can be like, you know what, this laser with one treatment and seven days of downtime, you're mm-hmm. done. Yeah. Whereas with this laser, you're gonna have to do it six times but there's no downtime and you'll get to the same end point. So mm-hmm. it's like, it's it's not about having just one silver bullet for everybody. Right. And everybody comes in with their own set of issues. Right. And the great thing about you is that you try mostly all of these things on yourself, right? <laughs> so do. you know what actually, what the person is going to feel and yes. what the symptoms we actually, are going to be. Before we like get any device because also like we do have clout and people are looking to see like okay what does Dr. Nazarian have yeah so I feel like a great sense of responsibility there too so for every device that we've have we've actually personally tried like a few on the market that claim to do the same thing Mm -hmm. and so for example with one of our radio frequency microneedling devices we tried two other ones and it was like a staple gun to your head like it was just like so painful oh god (laughs) so we're like I wouldn't do this to like myself so how am I going to do this to a patient right so we just kept going until we found the one that was the least painful and great results at the same time. And so we love to do that. We love to try things out on ourselves and make them fly in the machine. And so we're our own guinea pigs. And then when we actually talking to patients about it, we'd be like, you know what, at day, you know, five, you're going to notice this. And on day, and we like take picture selfies of ourselves to document the process. That's what I love watching. Because then I see you doing something. I'm like, oh my God, maybe I want to try that. (laughs) She did it to herself. And it obviously And that's why I started doing it because especially with like the Persian community, they think like, you know, you do one injection and you're going to like die. So I started actually doing it on myself. So when people saw me at parties, they were like, okay, well she's alive and she doesn't look crazy. And so maybe I'll do it too. 
Totally. So my biggest insecurity, which is something that I came to you about mm-hmm. besides my neck wrinkles, <laughs> are my under eyes just because I have wrinkles, crow's feet. The skin is really crepey underneath. Mm-hmm. What do you suggest for for people that have those same issues and dark circles, puffiness, all of that. So the under eyes are another thing that people waste so much money on these creams. No cream is going to get rid of like wrinkles under your eyes, dark circles under your eyes. So let's talk about the dark circles. Yes. There's two reasons why you have dark circles under your eyes. One of them is it's hollow. And mm-hmm. you're getting shadowing from overhead lighting. No cream is going to take said shadowing away. It's right. all about filler. Not and I've been skin brightening. Nothing, nothing. Because it's a shadow. Mm-hmm. Like you can be wearing all the concealer in the world and it's still ha- you still have a dark line there because of overhead lighting. Mm-hmm. Filler, filler, filler. That's where tear trough filler comes in. I've been okay. doing my own since I was 28 years old. Oh my God. I have under your eyes. Under my eyes. Doing? It's on my Instagram. I show myself actually injecting myself in the mirror under my eyes. Is there a bad downtime with that? It could, you could bruise yeah but I mean it's worth it okay. girl I mean it's just like you can cover a bruise you can't cover an indent right right okay um so for that hollowness under the eyes it's filler okay. no cream will take that away okay that's number one number two some people like me literally do have darkness under the eyes like uh-huh. I can move my skin around and the darkness will move around with it there are lasers for that and you can use some lightning creams as well but I always like to say like you got to get to baseline with a laser and then you okay. can maintain with a cream okay so um, I love the PicoSure laser for that um, no downtime um, it literally explodes that pigment and then you poop it out over three weeks okay <laughs> so that's one of the lasers that has no downtime externally but it's sort of doing its thing internally. Okay. And then you can use creams to moisturize the area if it's crepey. Right. You can, uh, like my cream has a little bit of retinol in it to cause a little bit of skin thickening. Mm-hmm. There's also radiofrequency treatments under the eyes that will help with that crepiness under the eyes and have no downtime, but you need to do it six times. Right. The, um, the one we have is called Pelave, and people love doing it right before a party or right before an award ceremony because it actually swells the skin up for the first three days. We call that the Cinderella effect. Yeah. So people will literally come do a Pelleve treatment and go straight to their makeup artist and then straight to red carpet because it does really smooth that out. You don't see long-term effects until after about your fourth treatment. Mm -hmm. But it's like an easy fix. It's like an easy fix and it's Mm -hmm. collagen building. That one's all about collagen building. Okay. So there's so many things you can do for the under eyes, but if you have like hollowness, if you have actually dark pigment of your under eyes, like you have to go see somebody Mm -hmm. for either filler and or lasers. Okay. Don't expect these like thousands of eye creams that are filling your drawers to, to, do to fix that. It doesn't do that. Okay. Yeah. Good to know. I mean, so much of what you do in terms of the skin department of mm-hmm. your business is is preventative because a lot of people do come in with insecurities they want gone right now, but then a lot of people like me come in who just want to stay young forever, yeah, looking yeah. forever. Yeah. So how, I mean, is that what we're seeing when we see all these famous women that are like so 65, 70 looking amazing. Have they been doing this for years? 100%. And there was actually an article, I don't remember where it was out of, I think it was out of some sort of New York publication that just showed that these women, like the J-Lo's and Mm -hmm. the, the woman we look up to is like looking natural, normal and just like, killing the beauty game yes they're spending so much money like 
in the in the range of like twenty to forty thousand dollars a month wow. on how they look. Wow. So what I also like to tell women is you shouldn't be putting those people as who you should be looking like. It's yeah. it's their job to look good, mm-hmm. right? It's not our job. Like we have jobs to go totally. to. Totally, <laughs> and it's just unattainable to be able to spend that money. Exactly, it's just exactly. Yeah. So what I'd say is like you know what? Let's prioritize what really bothers you, and we'll take mm-hmm. it one thing at a time. Right. And we'll we'll get there. And you know, with even with just the skincare products and like one laser, you're gonna get that glow. You're gonna get that boost in confidence. Mm-hmm. So it's all about like what what is important to you, right. what really matters, mm-hmm. what's going to give you that little bit of boost to just help you go out in the world and accomplish all the things you want to accomplish. Right. But it's not about holding ourselves to these like insanely high beauty standards that like isn't attainable just time-wise like forget the money. Right. Like just, just spending much that much spending time money. exactly right. in the gym in the facialists mm-hmm. at the doctor's office like we have lives. Right. Um and not that they don't have lives, they do, but that is part of their life and it's part of their job. The way that they make their money. Exactly. Pays their bills, exactly. How they look. Right. Yeah. That that makes a lot of sense. Well, I think it's important that people think about budgeting because a lot of the times we're like, oh, I'm gonna save up money to buy that bag. I'm gonna save up money to buy that pair of shoes. <laughs> and then when it comes to skincare, they're like, Oh, it's so expensive. I don't wanna spend that money. Oh and so my it's God. just like putting it as a priority. I mean, for it's me so it's funny. a huge priority and it actually lasts longer. Yeah, because you wear your face every day. Yes. Like it's funny, I go to these um, you know, birthday parties for like my kids or like family and I see these women with like new bags and new belts and new shoes and I'm like woman fix your face like you wear that every day (laughs) like are you kidding me like you don't need more belts okay like stop it right like stop the materialism do something that's gonna make you feel good about you yeah or you know and it doesn't have to be like an injection it might just be like that skincare that's medical grade that's actually proven to do something right it it could be a little bit of toxin it could Mm -hmm. be a little bit of you know filler or Mm -hmm. you know laser right it doesn't if you feel uncomfortable with the injection and stuff, fine. But there's other things to invest in that's going to give you so much more in the long term than that shoe that you're probably going to only wear twice and donate. Got it. What is your ideal routine for morning and night? What do you do on your skin every morning and every evening? Oh God. So I'm like a huge proponent of having great products. Yes. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. But also switching it up once in a while. So the way that I like to describe it is like, you know, when you use a new shampoo, yes, your hair is like, all fluffy and beautiful. <laughs> and then like you go back to using your old shampoo a month later and then your hair is fluffy and beautiful again. Right. So I think like with skincare, you want to turn on different circuit breakers. And so I do switch it up about every month. Okay. I love my own skincare line. Like I love it for my daughter. I love it for myself. I um, love it too. Right yeah. now I'm using those cleanse pads mm-hmm, you have because mm-hmm. I'm the kind of person that needs like an extra step right. of cleansing after you I look wash really my good, face. By the way. Thank you. <laughs> And the glycolic pads, which actually I'm not sure how much I should be using those. Um, But for all you guys out there, her pads that are already soaked in something that's amazing are really, really great for a glow and extra cleansing. Yeah, those are awesome. And they're great for like throwing in the gym bag and on the go. My daughter uses those as well. Mm -hmm. The glycolic I would use like maybe three or four times a week because it's very high turnover. But if you're not drying out and you're loving the glow, like keep going with it, girl. Amazing. But yeah, I I liked using things like growth factors. I like using like a plant 
plant-based growth factor versus mm-hmm. the other month, like a human-based growth factor. So I, I, I feel like I'm turning on different circuit breakers, just like using, like flipping up your shampoo. Right. But I basically use a hyaluronic acid and a vitamin C and in the morning. I use a lightning cream mm-hmm. that's plant-based as well. All over your face or all over my face? Spots? Okay. Mm-hmm. Like all over. Mm-hmm. I also, the cleansers, I usually mostly do it in the shower and I like using something that's got a little bit of a scrub and a little bit of a glycolic Same, in the shower. Then you just feel like it's really getting, getting in there. Guck out. And you're yeah. getting that turnover. Right. Right. Sunscreen for sure. I love mm-hmm. a good tinted sunscreen because then I don't have to wear you know, makeup foundation. Exactly. Um, and then at night I actually brought in a new product, um, from Switzerland, which is based on like things found in goldfish. Oh my God. (laughs) But it smells really, really bad when you put it on. It smells like rotten eggs, but you basically leave it on for 15 minutes and you take it off and it's just done like amazing things. Oh I'm like gosh. freaking obsessed with it. So we're wow. just about to put that on the skin spot as well. Okay. But people just have to be okay with the bad smell. I feel, I feel like, like people women are. will do that. They, <laughs> they don't are. care. They don't as care. As long as they see results, they don't it's, care. And you do. Yeah. So I've really How been. How did a, you find? Sorry, so I was actually, so I go to, I went to like 20 meetings last year. Yeah. So again, because of like the social media clout, people mm-hmm. will just like walk up to me and be like, this is my new product. Here's five of them. Please take them. That's have so your office. Cool. Try it. So I actually yeah. had my esthetician try it first. And she's like, um, um, this is amazing because I get so much stuff, right? Right. So I like pawn it off to my staff to actually try <laughs> to it. To actually well, try that's it. That's amazing because you do have so many different products and treatments from so many different places. Right. So that's so cool that you have people that you trust too right. that will try and tell you what's exactly worthwhile. And so we we basically um, brought in this one. So what I'll do is at night I'll put that on for 15 minutes. Okay. I need take that. it off. You <laughs> yeah. do. It's so good. <laughs> um, put that on for 15 minutes. Take that off, and then mm-hmm. I'll do my night routine. Basically. Mm-hmm. Which is the same, but I put retinol on at night. Okay. Every night you put retinol? I'm just at starting this, with retinol. Yeah. So if you're just starting, I would do it like maybe two or three nights a week okay. or else your face is going to peel off. Yeah. But then I've got, I've been using, oh my God, for like 10 years. So your skin is tough yeah. enough to handle it. Exactly. And the retinol I've heard definitely has to be medical grade, right? Like 100%. if you want to see any results, you need to get medical grade. It doesn't mean also you have to peel like from our skincare line. The retinol is kind of like matte. It's a different consistency. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And it, I find that it's a lot better tolerated because they've put moisturizers in there and that goes everywhere like under your eyes I wouldn't put it like on the thin skin of the eyes my actual eye cream does have a tiny bit of retinol in it okay but if you put the strong strong retinol under your eyes you could have a reaction okay so Right, like not on the inside, just like kind of on the Where outside. the bone is. Okay, gotcha. Mm-hmm. All right. And are you a proponent of washing your face every night? Like, I am. Yes. Oh Do my not God. go to sleep with makeup on, Can I right? just tell you it's so funny? Like I always put the pads next to my, where I sleep, next yes. to my lamp, because if I'm just like that exhausted, I'll just wipe it off. But I know personally, if I don't wash my face before I go to bed, mm-hmm. I will wake up with a pimple the next day. <laughs> and sometimes I go through this like mental bargaining and I'm like, how tired am I? Am I willing? Is like, it worth a pimple tomorrow? Like how pimple tomorrow? <laughs> And sometimes I'm just that exhausted, but I know I'm going to wake up with a zit the next day. So so it's worth it to you. Yeah. And obviously for your profession, it's important what your skin looks like because people are looking at your skin. It's so true. And I feel like that's only a female thing. Totally. Because like a male can look like a troll and you'll be like, I don't care. Do my boobs. Right. (laughs) But like if I tell you like, oh my God, that wrinkle on your forehead and be like, fix your own wrinkle on your forehead. (laughs) So there is definitely like pressure there. I feel like to look a certain way. Yeah, I totally get that. Um, (laughs) Is there anything you think is BS when it comes to skincare? Like anything we're wasting our time on? Obviously the masks, but anything else? I think masks are great. Just like good masks. Well, the sheet masks with all the crap on it. Definitely. For sure. Yeah. I think like hyaluronic acid 
um, needs to be discussed because hyaluronic acid is a big molecule and mm-hmm. it cannot, if it's just hyaluronic acid, penetrate the skin. So what it will do if it's that big molecule is it'll fill a wrinkle and make you look good for that day, but it's not actually doing anything for you. So the difference between regular hyaluronic acid that you'll find like over the counter or like, you know, at Sephora or whatever right. is... It's a big molecule. It's not actually penetrating. Okay. It will sit on top of your skin and make you look good while it's on. Mm-hmm. But what you want is an hyaluronic acid is something that has big molecules. So they do make you look good immediately, but also like shrapnels of, of hyaluronic acid that will penetrate and actually trigger your own body to create more moisture. Okay. So that's what you're getting when you're getting a medical grade hyaluronic acid versus a, you know, one from the yeah, pharmacy. Yeah, or, exactly. Right. Okay. So good that's, yeah. So that's a, that's a big one. I feel like a lot of women waste money on because it is kind of like a buzz term right now hard gas right right yeah. no the, everyone's telling me um but i i use the one from you guys yeah. so i know that it's actually You're good. doing something yeah yeah um do you take any vitamins like anything I do. internally that's important for i us do um i actually take a bunch of vitamins but the ones that are good for skin i love lumity okay lumity is a uk company but we bring it in um and we have it on the skin spot as well mm-hmm. but that one is three pills in the morning and three pills at night it's kind of like a lifestyle vitamin so the ones in the morning give you kind of more energy during the day the ones that help you sleep better and wake up more clear Mm -hmm. but they are also good for your you know hair skin and nails Mm -hmm. the other one that I love that I cannot live without is Nutrafol Nutrafol is a hair vitamin and what it does is the theory of behind Nutrafol is that stress hormones are what causes your hair to fall out so it's not that it we all have stress in our lives so it's not like it's going to make the stress go away but it it sort of blocks the way that those stress hormones affect your hair Mm -hmm. so if I stop taking Nutrafol I will notice like hair falling out. Like my staff will start picking the hair off my clothes again, (laughs) but it one, and that's, it's four pills a day, but it's been studied. It has journal articles. Like it is legit as can be. And I've tried a bunch of the other vitamins too, and they're just not the same. Right. So I definitely like religiously and they have a women's one and they have a men's one. Okay. So my husband takes the men's one and actually it's interesting because the men's one is really good for acneic people to women. Oh, interesting. Because DHT, which is the type of testosterone that causes people to break out is Mm -hmm. also what causes male pattern hair. Interesting. So sometimes I'll give the male one to my acneic female patients. Uh Uh-huh. To help so them with their acne. Oh, amazing. Yeah. Okay. Do you ever prescribe Accutane? Or is that so I personally do? don't, but yeah. I will definitely. I mean, if somebody comes in and they're bad enough, I will refer them Tell to them a dermatologist to, yes. to, to do Accutane. Okay. Yeah. So is there an age when someone comes in and they want something done that you're like, no, I will not work on you? Or is it basically more about like if you have wrinkles that are there when you're not moving, that mm-hmm. we sh- then we should work on Again, it? Again, I have like, thank God self-selected by the way I put myself out there to get normal people. Yeah. Like for the 99% (laughs) of the time. Yeah. What I will say that I've seen is the flip side where, for example, I had a 14 year old girl that came in. She had one of her labia was six centimeters long, Mm -hmm. whereas the other one was like perfectly tucked and nothing. And her pediatrician told her it was normal. And she was at the YMCA swimming and it was falling out of her bathing suit. She was getting teased. I mean, it was like the size of like your index finger on one side only. And so she, you know, her pediatrician told her it's normal. And, um, she's like, mommy, I can't live like this. Like, I don't want to go through high school like this. I don't, you know what I mean? So what I see is kind of like the flip side where people Mm -hmm. are told something that's really bothering them is completely normal. Right. Where, or normal variant where it's really affecting their lives. Mm -hmm. And thank God her mom brought her in and we were just able to do like 
a 20 a minute thing yeah, and now she can amazing. change in the locker room with totally. her friends or go to swimming well it will affect her in so many different so areas many ways. of her life yeah yeah because that's when you start to feel you're going through puberty right and you're wanting to discover all that yeah. right and um but I mean I am definitely like a barrier right um, the thing that I see a lot now these days too is like women come in completely overfilled and they th- they know something's wrong but they think they need more filler Ugh. and I'm like no 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 we're just gonna dissolve everything in your face right now and start from scratch and, and bring you back to like earth mm-hmm. so I see a lot of that too mm-hmm. where people have gone a little bit too far or lost their bearings right. like they you almost forget what normal is like we see so many images of these overfilled lips and you overfilled cheeks morphia when you look in the mirror yeah yeah, I, sometimes I see that and I'm like, what are they actually seeing when they look in the mirror? Right, right. So if for people that don't necessarily have access to you or amazing, you know, plastic surgeons or dermatologists mm-hmm. in their towns or cities, what would you say are the key things to go in and, and ask for when you are looking to get this stuff done? You know, I think, oh, that's such a good question. I yeah. think, I think it's all about who you go to. Mm-hmm. One thing I will tell you is if you're speaking to somebody who looks like an alien, you're about to look like an alien right. too. Right. <laughs> <laughs> totally. So I think it's looking at the before and afters. Mm-hmm. I think it's looking at the actual injector and what they've decided to make themselves look like mm-hmm. looking at their credentials. Where did they study? Right. What kind of training do they have right do they actually train in the thing that they're performing or is like insurance payments are really bad now Mm -hmm. and so they decided to go into cosmetics right like you know so I think there's a lot of good questions to ask there well because there's so many med spas yeah and And I think some of the med spas are good uh do you know but again I think it comes down to like what's your training how many years have you been doing this and and just looking at before and afters right like making sure that you see those before and afters right yeah I think that it's basically their resume right and if you look at my before and afters a lot of them like you really have to squint your eyes to see like what changed right like overall you'll be like okay that person looks fresher Mm -hmm. but like what was actually done Mm -hmm. I think for me that's what I would want that's best case scenario yeah yeah that's all my questions for you. I love it. That was so informative. Thank you. Tell everybody where they can find you um, on social media, your website, your products. Everything. Perfect. So we have like so many of the social medias. Yes. <laughs> but you need to follow all of them because they yes. all serve a different purpose. So I think um, YouTube is Nazarian Plastic Surgery. Facebook's also Nazarian Plastic Surgery. We also on Instagram, which is our biggest, is um, Dr. Sheila Nazarian, spelled like D-R-S-H. Mm-hmm. That's sort of like lifestyle and like more motivational Mm -hmm. and like, you know, woman power kind of. Um, And then we do have the model surgeon, which is all the gore and guts and blood. So (laughs) I went on that last night when I was doing research for this and I was like, how was she ever okay doing this? I get so grossed up. I like, I can't even give blood because I hate needles. I used to be like that too. So unfortunately I cannot follow that account. And that's why I had to separate it out because even my friends, they're like, I love you, but I can't follow you because I'll be having breakfast and like surgery will pop up. Right. So I literally took that all off my main page created its own surgical page which is the model surgeon and then we have a spa page called Mm spa26.official and then we have the skin spot Beverly Hills um, which is about all about the skincare stuff so we have a lot of the Instagram a lot of ways to find you a lot of the ways amazing yes well thank you so much thank you for having me yeah of course Thank you guys so much for listening. I hope you loved this episode. Don't forget to subscribe, rate, and review because I want to hear from you guys. You can let me know what you thought of this episode or anything more you want to hear about. Thanks. Peace in the streets.